time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. off another week and staying awake before that tryptophan haze next weekend. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, the Gators at number nine. Missouri is this impossible end of season tour of top 25 teams continues. Kevin Lewis of WFTS in Tampa joins us in a few minutes to talk more about the Gators and Tigers. Uh, not just a Florida sports dude, but he's also a Columbia native. So we'll get his unique perception. Uh, a fellas, tough week trying to put away the LSU game. Another Tigers team that was dominant last week against the Gators. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of what Missouri has done this year. I mean, I, there's really, there's one of the, probably the biggest surprise team perhaps in the country. I mean, they have had a fantastic, um, just a fantastic season. That went over, they just spanked Tennessee last weekend. And so now you look at there, and, and then on the other side, you've got Florida, who has been the opposite. They've been at pretty much a disappointment this whole uh you know, th- this year, I mean, they've had some, you know, a game here or there, but overall it's been kind of a disappointment down in Gatorland and they're coming in, having lost three in a row and boy, it doesn't look promising in this one either. Yeah. I think Florida could be in trouble. Um, Drinkwitz is, is like the, he looks like an accountant got loose in the football office, but <laughs> the man can recruit. He's got a team and he keeps them. He keeps his team ready and prepared. You know, Florida is going to have to play very well to avoid a five-game losing streak to end the season. And that's not at all where Billy Napier wanted this team to be. And it's obviously talented but young. But you were hoping they would make some plays down the stretch of games. And unfortunately, you know, they've had their opportunities to win, you know, a few games. And it just it just hasn't happened for them. And, and there's no reason... To think, you know, going to to Missouri on the road, that's a that's a tough one for them to reverse that three three game losing streak. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance they put it all together, much like they did maybe early on when they played Tennessee. Um, but on the road, they obviously haven't been great. You know, losing at Kentucky and and pulling having to pull out a narrow win at South Carolina. But you know, they have. I think their season was kind of lost when they lost that home game to Arkansas, right? I mean, that is a game that you needed to win if you wanted to get to a six-win bowl game because now you're at Missouri, and then, yeah, you're you're home, but it's Florida State, who's ranked fourth in the country. And and Florida has the talent to win one of these games, but having the talent to win and having the experience and savvy and, and ability to win at the end of, you know, in crunch time is a totally different thing. Yeah, Florida would love to win one of these two games to get to six. They really need the extra 15 practices that you get. That's really important to the development of a team, and a young team like this could really use that. Yeah, and we've seen they'll fire people, right? I mean, so you know, we've seen other teams, you know, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. I mean, you're never safe in the SEC especially. I'll join us now to talk more uh, here on the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular about this uh, matchup with the Mizzou Tigers. Uh, Kevin Lewis back on the show. Uh, he's with uh, WFTS, ABC Action News, sports reporter, uh, veteran guy who has uh, done this for a long time. Kevin, good to have you back. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Um, we've talked all season long about this uh, gauntlet at the end of the season for the Gators. 
And you know, the one team we probably overlooked uh, back in August was Missouri. Um, who thought they would hit this game and they'd be ranked in the top 10, um, you know, going for a 10 win season on their own. Yeah. I, in the TMI department, uh, I grew up in Columbia. I went to high school there. Um, went to a handful of Mizzou games. I covered them my first job out of college from 01 through 09. So I saw like the best of best that Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, you know, ranked number one years. And I was, it, it, which was such a stark contrast from the 80s and 90s, where, you know, okay, can we beat like Kansas State and, you know, and get to three wins? And even except for 2007, 2008, even when they won the SEC East those two years at Faro Field in the third quarter, they could be up. 35-10, there's always like the air of, okay, they're going to blow it. And I think this year, uh, th- there's finally some confidence. And like you said, overlooked in August, probably this game, but Missouri's playing really well uh, right now. And I think Florida said this a couple weeks. They're, they're going to have to play their best game of the year, I, I think, to win because Missouri, especially offensively, uh, is playing about as well as they have played in, in multiple seasons now. So you, you, Coach Napier's obviously not been there very long. All of a sudden, we see things going on with Jimbo. You see things going on even at Mississippi State. Is there any danger that, you know, a couple blowouts here and things go really sideways on a coach that really hasn't had time to get things going? I think I think things will go sideways. Um, we work also with our uh, some of our colleagues in Gainesville. I, I think pulling the trigger would be a little premature at the end of year two. Um, I mean, if they go out and lose seventy-seven to nothing two weeks in a row, I mean, you know, then maybe we have a different conversation. But I think the the seat will start to boil after this year if they lose the next two games big. I mean, I just you know being five and seven, I don't think. And they really haven't shown that much progress, especially offensively, uh, you know, with Graham Mertz, who I saw a little bit when he was at Wisconsin. I just think, um, you know, you know, like uh, Larry and I spoke before the Georgia game that their last five games of the year, he said, oh, they'll probably beat Arkansas. And then you lose that. I think that game at home really kind of turned the temperature up uh, in terms of Billy Napier's job future. But I don't I would be stunned if they made a move. Uh, after the second year, maybe if this was year three, I would be like, all right. But I think after the second year, uh, there will be a meeting in the athletic director's office saying, all right, let's uh, let's get this thing going the right way. Yeah. Um, Florida at Mizzou this weekend. I, I look at the Gator schedule, though. And again, um, you know, look, I know when you're in the SEC, you know that every single weekend is, you know, it's just again, it's a gauntlet. Right. I mean, it's just you're going to you're going to face um, some of the best teams in the country, but you get. You know, at Utah, home against Tennessee, you know, neutral side, of course, Georgia. Uh, last week, LSU, you give up 52 points, and it's LSU. Um, at Missouri, number nine. Next week, it's Florida State, and you get them in Gainesville, you know, at, at number four. Um, does that does that help at all that you could say, well, half our schedule was against, you know, not just the top 25, but I think really, you know, I mean, the top 15. Uh, Utah was ranked 14th um, when they played them to start the season. I think people who cover it and watch it uh, in the media and people, you know, colleagues and, you know, fellow coaches and players have a lot more respect for the strength of that schedule than, you know, random fans and social media who just see the win and loss number. Uh, Because like you said, I mean, Utah out of the gate, I mean, their schedule before the year, if you said they were going to go seven and five, you know, I think there would be champagne on ice. I mean, for a lot of teams, I mean, that's, you know, especially the, the last five games. So 
like you said, I think for people who are not in the extreme, like 2% of fire a coach when we finish below 500, there's more respect for that schedule. But there's a little percentage, I think, that creeps in of, okay, you got to rip off maybe one or two upsets, you know, if you want, if you want to show signs of progress. So it's like the balancing act that you guys both know um, that, you know, a lot of SEC fans want it now and they want it quickly and, and they want to point fingers. And even if it's, you know, an ACC team like Florida State, they want to win that rivalry game. Uh, which we've seen any given Saturday uh, this year, but yeah, you're, the schedule uh, is is completely brutal. Speaking of completely brutal, what type of game do you think Luther Burden's going to have this week? Because it, what's the matchup? How do, how does Florida defend against a weapon of that magnitude? Yeah, Florida and, and Luther Burden, like, you know, a guy who kind of had that. I want it now syndrome last year when he didn't think things were going right he deleted all his social media pictures of Missouri and then what now he's a top five receiver in the country arguably and one of the best on the SEC I think it's going to be because Florida doesn't get many interceptions their pass defense is not a known for making big plays slash getting to the quarterback a lot um you know it's easy to say okay double team them but you know you got to have more than one guy with two eyes on Luther Burden because he most times, other than Cody Schrader going crazy last week, um, is their best player on the field. And I think if you can draw attention away from him, I think that's Florida's best chance. Because Brady Cook, when he and Luther Burden are on the same page, and when Brady Cook, when he's not hitting Burden, can dink and dunk, um, is is as good as any quarterback in the SEC. But I think getting pressure on Brady Cook is going to be what makes or breaks uh, Florida defensively on Saturday. We talked about, again, you know, finish up the schedule here. Number nine, Missouri this week. Number four, Florida State next week. What what are you looking for out of this this Florida team on both sides of the ball um, to maximize their chances of success and to pulling off a, an upset in one of these two games to get to that six and six bowl eligible? And, you know, just like last year, you get a chance to get a seventh win and and you're not, to your point, the fans on paper, it's not a step back being five and seven. I think the need for maybe splash plays on defense, um, you know, you have Jaden Daniels who has a, a generational game on Saturday, but you know, you got at one point, somebody say, Oh, somebody has got to make a play. I mean, then the next week you have Brady cook and you know, the leading rusher in the sec and Luther burden. And then against Florida state, uh, you have Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman. I mean, at some point you're looking for just one, pick six or one sack strip six. And, and I don't want to say it doesn't matter if you win the game or not, but I think the level of just returning punches when you get, you know, body blow, body blow, maybe you land a haymaker and maybe in the second half, you know, the game is tied and you have a chance to win on the road. And if, I mean, if they win at Missouri, I think the Florida state game takes on a whole different uh, attitude. If you're a Gator fan, especially because that game's at home, uh, you know, in the swamp. And then you say, okay. And Florida state's had its moments, had its, you know, the Boston college game, it's had its, lull quarters uh, as well. And I think that's what the Gators have to rely on uh, is maybe Missouri and Florida State, who are both, Georgia's won the SEC East, but, you know, Florida State might be playing for style points after I think they have North Alabama or something this week, you know, in the college football playoff. Because I I still think there's going to be one big upset somewhere in the top, you know, five or six uh, in the last two weeks. But yeah, I think Florida getting a big play on a highlight, real play, probably early on defense will be the key this week. And then um, they just need anything really to to snowball that confidence going into Florida State. Is there anything that that Florida can do to get Graham Mertz started off on the right foot and and 
you know, get that team being not just, you know, good at yards, but converting and, and getting some points. It's strange because like the Charlotte game where they scored a touchdown on their first drive and then it was like field goal, field goal, field goal. And then they start, you know, the first quarter and a half against LSU. I mean, it looks like you're like, okay. And it looks like Graham Mertz is, is settled and a little calm. I think um, with ETN and Johnson, kind of, I mean, I think their stats are almost the same. I think if you can mix in the running game effectively to kind of say, okay, you know, maybe we'll take some shots down the field now. I mean, because I think Mertz is comfortable probably in the intermediate and the deep passing game, but they haven't had a lot of, of those plays either uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So I think establishing the run uh, just to get him comfortable and have him maybe take a breath and not feel like he's got to go 25 of 32 and not throw any picks and not get sacked um, is going to be big for him, especially this week who, you know, Missouri's playing really well. They're having a really great season, but um, you know, this is the first time in a few years they've, tried to show some consistency. So I think it's it might be a little closer than uh, than people think on Saturday in Columbia. Last road trip of the year for the Florida Gators. Uh, again, 11-point underdogs going to Faroe Field in Columbia to take on the ninth-ranked Missouri Tigers, and we appreciate your time. Kevin Lewis, WFTS, ABC Action News, sports reporter. We appreciate it. Enjoy the games as always. We appreciate the insights, and we'll talk with you soon. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hey, keep it here. We've got more to come after this. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. And we're back. Mike Cagley, Brad Sturdy, uh, Larry Smith, Tony Cordero on the on the com. Let hey guys, how about uh, you know you want to talk about you always have these fairy tale endings to careers, and you're like, oh, they win the last game and they have this. How about the other side of it? You know. Megan Rapinoe, who's been, you know, a great uh, women's soccer player for many, many years, one of the, an all-time great, obviously, and she tears her Achilles to kind of to, to end her career in her last game. It's just, I mean, man, that's a terrible way to end it for you. Everybody wants to be Aaron Rodgers, I guess, <laughs> but it, <laughs> I, I I go back to he's coming back though, Mike. He's coming back. Yeah, exactly. next week, I'm right? Sure, I'm sure he is. Um, but you know, you, you, you just go back to, you got to wonder what's going on in sports where everybody and their mom t- tears their Achilles nowadays. Um, but yeah, she, she had a ton of time in the limelight helped really turn, you know, women's soccer into a institution that's, that's bigger than men's soccer. And, you know, it would have been nice to see her get one more game out of it, but unfortunately the, 
it's it's not going to be that way. But boy, she had a career that a lot of people will try to uh, put into perspective, you know, now that it's over and, and they'll try to fa- figure out where she fits in the pantheon of uh, women's athletes. Yeah. You know, and I don't always agree with everything she, she says or does, you know, when it comes to this stuff, but I do agree that she's a great player. I mean, just you, you can't, even if you disagree, like I, you know, the men's women's soccer, you know, the soccer pay and different things. I, I didn't always agree with what they said, but I think she's been a great like stalwart for women's sports. And we need that. We, you know, we needed this because people got to stand up and say, you know, women's sports matter. And, and, you know, if you're going to have this. And so I think she's been great in that regard. It's sad to see her go out this way. I, I wish that she could have, could have had that fairy tale ending, right? You win the game, you score the great game winning goal. I mean, that's the way everybody goes out or supposed to go out. Right. Yeah. Instead, yeah. it uh, didn't go quite that, that romantically. No, it wasn't quite that good. It wasn't a movie. Um, but Hey, you know, what was a fairy tale ending? How about a high school football game? For one side was a fairy tale ending, 104 to nothing. How, how does this happen? 83 0 at half, 104 to zero. Okay, we've both coached and we've been on both ends of getting our butts kicked and winning by a lot. And I'm telling you, I never beat anybody 104 to nothing. So uh, my problem was always I had to come home and a- answer to my wife. There was one game, this is a true story, when I was coaching junior high basketball, we won like 53 to 14. And I got yelled at after the game. Why did you beat them so badly? That is terrible. I can't believe you did that. I said, I played 15 guys. I didn't even play my starters in the second half. I we 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 held the ball. What do you want me to do? And she's like, we didn't press. And she's like, Well, I think you should have let them score. I said, Okay, well, sorry. Well, 104 to zero was a little bit on the other end in football. Yeah, well, I guess you have to figure, you know, you you scored quite a few touchdowns in the first half there, and then you cut it down to three in the second half. The problem is, is in a lot of those games, you hand off the ball to absorb the clock. And then what happens is, is you find out if you're that much better that you end up getting 12 yards carry and then it doesn't even matter. And so I'm, I'm assuming that's what they tried to do in the second half. But, uh, you know, in the end, there's there's got to be a different but, you, you know, do you start putting your knee down in the third quarter and then punting after four plays? So I think you challenge your guys say we're only going to put 10 guys on defense this play <laughs> and see if we can stop them. And then we'll go to nine. If we can stop them with 10, we'll go to nine. I'm going to really challenge you guys. Remember, it's like in practice. You remember in practice when you used to let the other team you'd have your second team have like seven or eight guys on the yep. press to yep. simulate it. that's they should have let that team okay put extra guys on the field maybe, maybe we need to add that to the to the rule book so, something during during that that time when you're when you're the blowout rule and of course it probably the other part is it's nice when the you get the running clock which helps it go down quicker as well well speaking of running clocks Let's talk about this. I think the Clippers are hoping the clock runs out on their time with James Harden. <laughs> it hasn't been long, and it's been too long. James Harden, I mean, there is no question that James Harden can play offense. He can score points. He's a, He knows he's talented, whatever. But, man, he just doesn't fit anywhere, does he? No, he doesn't. And I got to be honest with you, you can already see the Clippers – 
setting the table to get rid of Russell Westbrook of all the thing, you know, because they didn't get along earlier in their careers at Houston or Oklahoma City. And I think Russell is going to be traded in the next few months and he can still help another team. Um, but I think you're going to be in a situation where, you know, Harden's going to be the cancer that destroys an, yet another NBA team and why anyone would trade for him is beyond me. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. So, you know, the, these are kind of things that we, you know, just, we, this is why we're here, Mike, to, to wax poetic on these important <laughs> things in sports. So, all right, we'll be back right after this. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans, and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. That's 800-373-8414. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. Well, joining us now to talk more about this, uh, Tony Barnhart. We're really honored to have him back on the show. Columnist for TMG College Sports and has a new book coming out. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. Uh, 19th of Green. And he'll explain what that's about. Tony, good to have you back on the show. Larry, good to be with you. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, listen. Um, uh, so there's a there's a check being written right now uh, here in the next couple of weeks for eight figures. Unfortunately, my name and your name is not on this. <laughs> um, did, did the Jimbo Fisher, you know, everyone we had talked to kind of said, you know, Jimbo, um, you know, probably is going to last another year. No one's going to write that. Mm. that Check. We were wrong. We were wrong, and I, I, I think what happened, just based on the people I've talked to, if you just get to a point. An athletic director told me a long time ago is if you know you want to let a guy go, don't put it off. Do it now. Do it. Do it today. Because hanging out that kind of news hanging out there, I know everybody was sick of the story. I know Jimbo Fisher was sick of the story. That's all anybody talked about. 
So I, I was not totally surprised that they went ahead and did it. And we all assumed that money would be a factor. Uh, it's not. It's yeah, not it's, at Texas A&M. It's not. <laughs> it makes me wonder if I'm going to be paying more at the gas pump since they were willing to pay that much money. And we know where a lot of it comes from those uh, oil barons down here in uh, <laughs> Texas. Uh, question for you is there's the infinite amount of NIL funds, it seems, at Texas A&M, probably very similar to the Longhorns over at Texas. What, Who will that attract from a standpoint of candidates? Do you have a feel for, for who might be the next or in the grouping of, of gentlemen who'd like to be the next Texas A&M coach? Well, it, it, you know, it's going to be the usual suspects, as, as, as we say uh, in the movies. I, I've got to believe. You're going to make a phone call to Dan Lanning at Oregon. He's coached in the SEC at two different places. Has done an incredible job uh, at Oregon. May get in the playoffs if things work out. Uh, I think you've got to give a call to Mike Elko, a former defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Guy's done a tremendous job at Duke. And who understands – if you're going to Texas A&M, Texas A&M is one of those places where you better understand the culture when you go in there. And uh, so I think Mike Elko is a guy. It's going to be fascinating because we have learned in the Kirby Smart era. We have learned in the Nick Saban era. You know what? This ain't. This is not complicated. You got to hire the right coach. If you hire the right coach, you're going to be okay. If you hire the wrong coach, you're going to spend the next four or five years explaining how you thought this was the right coach, and he's not. So. <laughs> Uh, I think those are a, c- a couple of names. And, and as always, as always, people will come forward with this job and we'll go, oh, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm waiting on that one. The surprise can can whoever it turns out to be. Yeah. You know, what it seems is we're talking with Tony Barnhart, a veteran uh, sports writer, again, columnist for TMG College Sports. You know, it seems like that. And, and you tell me what you've heard. When these things happen, these kinds of of uh, of, of firings and 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 decisions, it seems like that though AD already has a short list. Um, don't mm-hmm. you feel that probably with through third parties, there are already conversations going on with half a dozen of their top candidates? No doubt, you've always got a short list. I've never spoken to an athletic director who didn't have a short list because you you don't want to start with a blank piece of paper, right? And so those and. And it's real easy to get in touch with uh, these coaches and their agents because Jimmy Sexton represents all of them. Right. So, <laughs> so, hey, Jimmy, you know the score. Well, let's go. And so it's, um, yeah, to answer your question, there is always the short, a short list. And Texas A&M's got theirs. And the question I have is how much stock can you put in Dan Lanning's speech about not leaving Oregon and really was – said zero percent is yep. is that just your stock speech that that he, the coach has ready or yeah what is well, your <laughs> as as coach always says well it the story was the the statement was true when i made it okay <laughs> and then then all of a sudden things jump and you get a call from your agent and said hey you ain't gonna believe what they're offering okay uh so i think i think coaches are never ever 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 leaving until they do and that's yeah. that's that's just how the game is played. I remember Rick Pitino at the 97 Final Four, uh, the day before they take on Arizona, and 
and lose in overtime. And then, of course, he left. But of course, there were the Celtics rumors, you know, were rampant to the end, you know, for, for weeks. And that's just, that's Rick Patino, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. Like he kind of enjoys it. And I'll never forget, he stood up there during his media availability, you know, before they took on uh, Lou Dolson, the Wildcats. And he had a great quote I've, and I've used so many times. He said, it doesn't cost anybody anything to listen. Right. And I'm like, that's a that's a great way to put it. So because we know you will get back in the NBA. We know. And of course, you know, within a few weeks, he was gone and, you know, the rest is history. But um, OK, so so here's one thing that was really unusual. And we were talking about this here um, ourselves before we began production. Um, have you ever seen a time when two teams played on Saturday and both schools in season and both schools fired their coaches within 48 <laughs> hours? So Fisher's gone from A&M. They'd just beaten. Uh, Mississippi State, fifty-one to ten. You know, the day before, and then following that, Mississippi State fires their head coach right. in his season there. Well, the the lesson there is 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 a lesson we've known for a long time, and it's this: you uh, you don't base a decision like this on one game. Okay, they, Texas A and M knew before they even played on Saturday that they were going to make a change. The question is, get get that game behind you, but yeah. LSU did that several years ago. Remember, they're going to fire Les Miles right there on the spot, and then he walked off. He had a big win, walked off the field, and they decided to keep him. That is not the way. That's not the way you play it. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to make a change, make a change. And so, yeah, the, yeah, they they fired their coaches, but uh, they had already made up their mind what they were going to do. How hard will it be for Mississippi State to fill that role compared to you know? Texas A&M that has so many positives on it compared to what, you know, Mississippi State can offer. No, you're dealing in two different, completely different universes. All right. Uh, You know, Texas A&M is a power five program that has national championship aspirations. Mississippi State is, they do a good job, but they're, they're not in that same, they're not on that same level. What Mississippi State has to do is find the right fit for them. Right. They're 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 not going to hire somebody that uh, they're not going to hire somebody that Texas A&M wants. Let's put it that way. And what what they do is is they look around. And, and I've always believed in Mississippi State. You got to do things differently because you're not going to beat Alabama and LSU and Auburn and Texas A&M and Ole Miss. You're not going to beat those teams at their own game. So they've got to do something. And they had it in Will Rogers, a four thousand yard pass. That's the way to me they got to go. So now you look at guys like Jamie Chadwell, who's at Liberty now, used to be a coastal. Uh, that's the kind of coach they need to get. I want to shift gears and get to some other coaching news. Um, Michigan and the Jim Harbaugh situation um, coming up. Look, we know it's a part of athletics, it's a part of society to try to gain an edge. Um, and I think none of us believe that Michigan is the only team stealing signs, but they had someone who was really pretty cavalier and open about it. Um, your thoughts right now, what's going on? Did the big 10 make the right decision? Um, you know, by the time this is heard this weekend, we may have another decision out of the courts on Friday in Ann Arbor. What are your take on this situation? Well, I'm a big, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I raised one. Uh, I'm a big due process guy. I believe that, uh, uh, sh- these rules should be enforced. They should be enforced to the max. My problem was they went ahead and suspended him without having the hearing. And I un- I understand that was what the calendar was and all that. But I, I just the 
based on everything I've read and if it's all true, I have no problem with uh, suspending Jim Harbaugh. What I do have a problem with is not going through pro- due process. Because if, if I was always told if they don't go through due process with you, they're probably not going to do it to the next person. So as difficult as that all would have been, I don't think you suspend him. First of all, you find a way to have that hearing last Friday before the game. You do that. I don't care if you have to move heaven and earth, but to suspend a guy without going through that process and having a chance to, I I just think you have to do that. When it comes to this Michigan situation, how would, you know, obviously you're not a commissioner or anything, but how would you have looked at that in terms of trying to dispense justice? It's a very difficult thing to do because you want to be fair to the schools that were not involved in this and who have to play me. But uh, to me, as the commissioner, well, again, what I would have done is I would have had the hearing. And if I couldn't have the hearing, then he coaches the game, and then we'll have the hearing and do that. But I, I just think I, I know you got to be fair to everybody, but I think you have to be be fair to everybody and not just the folks who were raising. Can- My concern is that the coaches got on that conference call with Tony Petiti, the commissioner, and they raised so much cane that the commissioner felt like he, well, I got to do something, okay? And I just that's not the way you do business. You go through the process and get it done. So ultimately, that's that's that was my feeling. And if and if you can't have the hearing, guess what? You don't suspend it, and the coaches will just have to be mad. They're obviously going to have the hearing this week, and so hopefully it'll get resolved. And I have no problem with it one way or another. Uh, but man, what a mess! One question that I had, of course, is you've got a book coming out, the Nineteen of Green, and boy, I tell you before as we were doing some research for this looks like an incredible book can you describe to people what they uh, could be looking for because if you're looking for a really inspiring read i think the, <laughs> i think it uh, y- you've written one here that just fasc- is fascinating well in the fall of 1970 the, the state of georgia and the federal government finally ruled that schools in the state of georgia would be completely integrated all right, not not partially integrated, not somewhat integrated, completely integrated. And so we knew that in the fall of 1970, we had we had a white school, Green County High School. We had a black school, Floyd T. Carey High School. And we knew in the fall of 1970, we would merge completely. What we didn't know is that at, when we merged, we assumed that we became a much larger school. We thought we'd have about 60 guys on our football team and we were going to have a blast and win a, win a bunch of games. Well, after spring practice was over, we had 12 players. <laughs> we had 19 players, 12 white, seven black. And that was our football team. And But the, the book is about the team and how 50 years later, a bunch of us, one of my best friends in the world is Charles Turner, the quarterback on that team. Charles is in, is in four different halls of fame. And he, he came over from Floyd T. Carr to be our quarterback. And we are, uh, he and I are still very, very close. But it's about football, but it's about friendship. It's about the tension uh, of the time. Because I know this this will shock you guys, but in Georgia, there were people who weren't real crazy about the idea 
of black children and white children playing together. They didn't think that was a very good idea. And we had, and then going through that. And the, the best part about it is we, we lost our first two, then won seven of our next eight to make the playoffs. And we feel strongly and feel the same way today that the success of that football team sort of bonded the community, galvanized it. And I think they, I think the community rallied behind us. And that's, uh, that's a big part of this story. Tell me this. Um, I think a lot of people listening will know the movie. Remember the Titans in the 1970 yep. team, uh, TC Williams, uh, Alexandria, Virginia, um, that was made popular, but that also is the Disney version. If you read about that, there are a lot of liberties as Hollywood does taking from that. Right. What's, how in your own experience, how was your experience um, when you watched that? How was it similar or dissimilar from uh, the Hollywood version of, of, of that? Of, of that well, the, the biggest difference, of course, is that Denzel Washington was not my coach. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, Much less handsome guy, I'm sure, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. The, the storylines are very, very similar. Uh, we had we had moments. There's a, there's a chapter that says, uh, you know, it all was not sweetness and light and that we had some, we had some episodes at school. We knew we would, but, uh, as I'm, I was told the football team made it a little less intense, but, uh, it, it, the tension was real and it was, and but the great thing is that we are going to have a, a gathering. We're going to have a celebration of that team, uh, on December 9 at Greene County High School in Greensboro, Georgia. We're going to celebrate that team, and uh, we're going to have a, a hopefully a big old book signing there. And we're and a lot of people, a lot of classmates have asked me about the book. And so, yeah, that's December 9 at Greene County High School in Greensboro, Georgia. We'll have a celebration of the 19 of Greene. Uh, one question is how hard was it to write that personal of a book when you're, when you're talking about uh, such a tense subject and then pulling from your own life? Oh, you know, it, there, there were times when it was, uh, I tell you the toughest part of it all was reaching inside and, 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 and at tough moments uh, that, that, that was part of it. The other thing was tracking down all the guys uh, 15 of us are still alive and we were scattered all over the place, but with a lot of help from my teammate, Charles Turner and a couple of teachers at Green County, I was able to track down all of the living players and I interviewed them all, uh, uh except for two and COVID COVID got in between that. So, but it, it was, it was a, it was a t tough book to write, but it was also a fun book to write because you don't, not many of us get a chance to relive that portion of our lives. And the great thing is the story starts back then and it comes up to the present day when we'll have that celebration at Greene County High School. Talking with Tony Barnhart here, columnist with TMG College Sports. He's got a new book out, 19th of Green. Um, I'm curious as well, when you began this project, um, maybe you know things weren't as they are now in society. Um, how important is it to, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of you have to know where you came from to know where you're mm -hmm. going. Um, how is this book important now with some of the things that we're seeing uh, in the world and, and right here in our own country? I've heard that from a number of people said so the book is still, it's very relevant to what is going on today. And yeah, and that there's a chapter called uh, lessons I learned about race. I mean, this, this, this was a, a journey. Listen, I, 
I never had a black friend until I got into high school. Charles Turner, our quarterback, he and I grew up three miles apart. But I never met Charles until we were both seniors in high school and we merged. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it, it's very relevant today. Uh, one of the points I try to make as I'm wrapping it up in the epilogue is we've come a long way on the subject of race, but we we still got a long way to go. Yeah, we and do. So, Hope, I hope what we've done with this book will help uh, open some eyes. And, uh, well, what, one last quick story I'll tell you. One of the things that Charles and I had a lot of sessions with Charles Turner, whose father had what they call in the black community, what, what Charles told me is the talk. The talk is when you talk to your children about what it's like to be a black man or a black woman in this society. And when the police pull you over, here's what you do. And Charles, Charles told me tale after tale of his father telling him that story. And uh, I said, well, you know, Charles, my father never had that conversation with me because he didn't have to. And uh, that, that was a big lesson I learned. Sadly, that still exists. Um, I've had that with both of my children here in the mm-hmm. next century. Um, and they're both in college now. And and it was a it was one that in, in our family, it we knew we had to make it. So um we've come a long way, but to your point, uh, we still have a ways to go. Tony Barnhart, columnist, TMG College Sports, and again, the book 19th of Green uh, is out now. Get that. Um Amazon, all the bookstores. I know it's yep. out, right? And uh, yep. tell us again your your uh, your website, people can find your great reporting. Uh, just go to si.com slash TMG. We're on the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Yeah. So, yeah, si.com slash TMG. Yeah, great stuff. Um, I enjoy reading every weekend and kind of see your takes. And, of course, reading you in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for so many years, uh, we know the quality of work is there. Tony, always great to have you uh, with us and hope we'll get a chance to talk with you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Once again, Tony Barnhart, columnist, TMG College Sports, and the book is 19th of Green. Be sure to check that out. We've got more to come after this. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. You know, I didn't mind going out on a limb, and I believed in my picks last week, gentlemen, as we wrap up this show and make our picks here for this week. Uh, kudos to both these fine gentlemen. Handsome, devilishly handsome. They're the sexiest men alive, and they can pick games like no other. Both 4-0 last week to whip my butt down the street. Uh, I'll try to do better this week. All right. Uh, Larry, can we, can we talk season long? I, I think I've I, only oh, missed one game this I year. I started trying this week. The last week, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Brad, <laughs> Brad's like the he, he's like the the ninety six Bulls. I mean, he just ninety seven Bulls. I mean, it just he just doesn't miss. I'm it's, it's insane. Uh, you know, Nostradamus, he really is. Yeah, Nostradamus, Nostradamus. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy because I expect to miss games now because I'm due. Yeah, you're like Jordan against the Blazers in the 92 finals. You're looking over at Marv Albert going, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just going, in. going in. I don't know. 
I don't know how it's happening. Yeah, I just I win. That's what I do. I win. Charlie Sheen's impressed at the winning. (laughs) Uh, Winning. Tiger blood. Tiger blood. (laughs) Let's start the SEC with, uh, you know, pretty good rivalry. But it's, you know, look, Georgia is Georgia right now. Georgia at Tennessee. Who you got? I I like Georgia in this game because I just don't think Tennessee is going to be able to do enough offensively uh, against Georgia to to win this one. But I I will say this. That is a tough place to play. It'll be raucous. It'll be crazy. And the the one thing that only gives me hope for Tennessee is that Georgia has to have a bad game at some point, don't they, where they just kind of melt down, right? Because every team does. Maybe they will. But no, I'm picking Georgia. Yeah, I think actually Georgia's going to make uh, make this an easy game. I think by the third quarter they'll have it well in hand and might even threaten to to turn this into a blowout. You know, it's just a rumor. Actually, it's not. It's just me talking out of my out of my head. But I think what Kirby Smart did all week was he just played Rocky Top during practice, just on a loop over and over, <laughs> just, and just over, like the game. Over. Just yeah. like the game. <laughs> my first ever game at Neelum was in '91. By the end of the first quarter, oh I was going God. to satellite truck. For aspirin, I just was like, "This is insane." <laughs> uh, I'm going Georgia too. I guess I learned my lesson before. Um, they're going to stop stomp on them with a hobnail boot. That's right. Our producer Tony, uh, I like I like that. Hey, okay, Pac-12, another incredible game. Listen, it's too bad these guys are breaking up, Beatles, because you've been fantastic in uh, in 2023. The Huskies at Oregon State, maybe one of the most overlooked teams in the country. This is a this is a pretty good game. Yeah, Oregon State's actually favored by two and a half in this game. Crazy, crazy. It's, it's wild when you think about that because Washington's ranked, you know, fifth in the country undefeated. But Oregon State's been really good. Um, I, I do like their team. I think that Washington wins this game, though, because I think that they Michael Penix will make enough plays for them to win down the stretch in a, in a tight one. And I'm going to go, I, I actually think, I'm just going to go fate here, but I think, with the with the Pac-2 winning their lawsuit, at least the first round of it, <laughs> uh, against the rest of the Pac-12, I think Oregon State's going to take that in-court momentum and bring it onto the football field. And, and I think they are going to upset Washington, which then makes an open path for both Georgia and um, Georgia and Alabama potentially to get into the championship. Oh, I like that. Yeah. How about Oregon State and Washington State? Uh, Again, cry not for me. Uh, Two teams that have the control of like half a billion dollar war chest, right? Um, Maybe they weren't so dumb after all. You guys should have you guys should have paid attention and included them in your plans as you were packing to leave. Uh, I'll take the Huskies in this one. Um, I I agree. I think Oregon State's playing so well, Um, but I've I've been picking the Huskies all year and I'm going to stick with that. I'm pretty stubborn to the ACC. Now, this was a this is a tough matchup. North Carolina at Clemson. So North Carolina's ranked, but in this game, Clemson is a touchdown favorite. Now, I think touchdown is too much, but I I am taking Clemson. I think Clemson wins this game. I think Dabo's on a on a revenge tour against all the Clemson fans who doubted him and all the rest of the country. I think they're going to fire it up. They're going to win this game and, and beat North Carolina. Although I will I do love North Carolina's quarterback. I still do. So anyway, but yeah, Clemson yeah, I think I think Tyler from Bumble, wherever in the southeast, actually that caller fired up Dabo, and I think he has unified this Clemson team. Probably eight weeks too late into their season to make a big difference, but I actually think Clemson is gonna they're gonna pull this one away from North Carolina and put North Carolina out of the top twenty-five. 
Well, I, I shouldn't uh, pick against Sturdy, but I'm going to. I'm going to go North Carolina on the road in this one. Uh, I believe in Mac Brown um, to, to make it happen. So there you go. We will see um, if I go 0 for 3, which I won't. All right. Hey, guess what? Clock on the wall says we're done. We're out of time. Boy, we had a busy, busy show. Thanks to everyone who came by, and we appreciate it. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We're right back here next week. I know it's it's turkey. I know, but Mike will eat the turkey, and once he wakes up, we'll do the show. All right. For Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. Take care. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. See you next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular.